On this edition of the Orlando Magic Pod Squad, the guys sit down with Orlando Magic President of Basketball Operations, Jeff Weltman, for a State of the Magic address. They discuss the madness of the NBA trade deadline, the acquisition of James Ennis and how he fits within Steve Clifford's system, Jonathan Isaac's rehab, the Eastern Conference playoff race, and comparisons between this year's team and last year's. It's all here on this edition of the Orlando Magic Pod Squad with Magic President of Basketball Operations, Jeff Weltman. This is Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic Basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. All right, the next installment of Magic Pod Squad, and contrary to what anybody thinks, guys, what's it the is, name of this It shirt? is Magic Pod Squad. Are you sure it's Dante I, Marcatelli? <laughs> it is not. Sure? Yeah, I have fourth the billing. There are a lot of people on this before me. I, I just I always thought it was the pod squad. I did it too until, but, uh, but, until Wednesday you know, night in Atlanta. Yeah, one of our players, Aaron Gordon, said Renamed it was the Dante Marcatelli podcast. Gave him a lot things, of money. Things for get that. rebranded all the time. Guys. <laughs> change, right. change is part of the NBA. I'm not gonna say I hate the name, but I, <laughs> so Dante, but it should just, be pod squad. It just should tell be. us when you want us to interact, and yeah. we'll, we'll take. Man, no, I don't know. go on one road trip, and my name's off <laughs> every pod out of the podcast. That's right, you're out of the pod. Well, let's bring in our guest. He is president of basketball. Operations, Jeff Weltman. Have, have you ever? Uh, are you a podcast guy? Like, do you listen to podcasts or the Dante Marcatelli podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it's funny. I actually just had dinner with a friend of mine. If I can begin the podcast by telling the story, absolutely. Who I sure. went to school with, who went to work at National Public Radio, and he went on with a friend of his to start a podcast company called Gimlet Media, and they just this year got bought by Spotify for oh over, over $200 million. So I, I, I actually had him show me on my phone how to download a podcast. Is so now right? I'm a podcast guy. You're a podcast. That's an incredible story. Isn't it? This it's is somebody awesome. you went to school with that is yeah. now never have to now, work again. Exactly. Well, and, I would. You know, I like to just get like twenty dollars for this podcast. Can you introduce you us can't to even set your name on it? Only one guy. I'll ask him what he thinks about the rebrand. I think the the one thing we'd all like to know in this room, just to get started, is could there ever be a scenario for you, Jeff, in your world, uh, NBA, where you would need advice from any of us? Could could there ever could could that scenario ever play out? Always, always, always. Oh, okay. Come on, guys. All right. That's this encouraging. Is, then this this is a podcast. It's all it's all good fun. But you guys know how I lean on you. Yeah, right. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. We'll get us. I guess we'll start with. You know, it was interesting. Twenty six and thirty two. This Magic team. You look where we were this time last year. Twenty six and thirty two. <laughs> yeah, the exact, how about that? exact same record. We, give us your assessment now. This point of the season. Twenty four games to go. At time of this taping, where, where, where you think we're at right now? Well. You know, we, we obviously, um, I think the first, the most notable difference is we're playing without Jonathan, you know. Um, I felt that last year, this time, we were really coming together. We were a team that was starting to look like a team that you didn't really want to play against. And um, recently, we haven't been that team. But I will say, since the All-Star break, um, it appears that we're starting to put some of those traits together. Can we maintain that? Can we be consistent? Can we build on that? Um, you know, we do come out of the All-Star break with, I believe, the third most favorable schedule. And so that's a good, that's a good starting place. 
That said, you know, it's a hard league and, and you never take any of these games for granted and these, a lot of these games can go either way. But we've been in a lot of these games that we've lost. And so I, I, I do think that it, you know, it doesn't take uh, an expert to, to see that we're starting to come together a little bit. Now, you know, it's going to be a lot of hard work and, and sacrifice and kind of lifting each other up to, to stay there. But, you know, hopefully we can continue that in the right direction. Jeff, um, last year at this time, the team was clicking, as you pointed out. Yeah. Um, how disappointed were you that that didn't continue in the beginning of the season? I mean, every season is different. Every team has a different personality, made a few changes. But did you expect for it to carry on over immediately? Or were you not surprised that it's taken a little time to, for things to start clicking again? No, I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, I, I, I talked all summer about that just because you achieve that doesn't mean that you walk into the next season that way. I mean, that's something that you have to reestablish every year. And I do believe that as you play meaningful games now late February on into March and in April, hopefully, um, meaningful practices, that you, you kind of uh, gain the understanding about the sacrifice to one another, the commitment to one another that it takes to win these games, you know, and that it takes to make the playoffs and then, and then go in with a head of steam. And the interesting part of it, David, is the, the – the longer that you do it, the more years that you are in, are in the thick of a race at, in the spring and are making the playoffs, the earlier the pickup point becomes the following season. So if you just make the playoffs once and you expect like, to start playing that way in October, I think that you're kind of kidding yourself. But the more that you do it and you kind of understand like this is what it takes to win and as players grow up understanding – that this is what it's about. It's about the second half of the season. That that kind of like residual effect starts to kick in earlier in the season. Even even the best teams don't generally play that way in November, even December. But the better ones show it sooner, and we have to grow into that. And I think hopefully this is another step in that process. That's interesting. Is that is that an experience thing, or why why do you think that is? It just more time going through it that they can pick it up earlier. Um, yeah, I just think like anything, it becomes part of your, your um, understanding of the way the league works and you kind of just routinize yourself. It becomes part of your habits that like this is what we do when we need to win. And then the older you get, the, the more you realize we need to win sooner. You know, it, it's not enough just to turn around when we have to. The good teams approach every game that way. And um, so, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. But hopefully, you know, we're starting to get there, you know, I hope. You know, what's interesting is we're, we're following uh, um, Aaron Gordon's podcast. Right. And right. it was interesting. We were talking with Aaron. Now we have to give him a little bit of uh, leeway here because he's just coming out of practice. He comes up and he's with us and everything. Kind of talked about the grind of the season and things. But then we asked him about the playoffs and he lit up a little bit, and he talked about how fun that is. That's kind of what you're talking about, right? That guys begin, especially younger players, begin to go experience not just once but twice. Um, and then there's that, that's what I want, right? That's, that's kind of what I want. That's what Aaron Gordon's going through. And hopefully Markel, for the, really the first time that he's going to be active, guys like that. Yeah, I mean, you look, you guys are in all of our practices. You know, you, you, you feel the weight, the gravity of, of, even, of even a practice. You know, it's different. It's different than it is if you're not in the playoffs or, you know, when you're in this, you know, in, in, in even when you kind of are in the early stages of the season. And, 
you know, now, you know, most of our young guys have experienced the playoffs. Markel um, hasn't experienced them with us in this significant role. Uh, Mo hasn't experienced them. But um, the other guys have, you know. And so it's something that uh, it's what the league is about, you know. And, and I don't think there's any – I think you can, like, uh, overanalyze it. It's, it's pretty simple. Like, the, the league is about making the playoffs and performing well in the playoffs. And when, when you start to feel, like, around this time of year that half the teams are starting to go the other way and you're one of those teams that's still fighting – it brings you together and, and, it, and it brings about a level of like seriousness and commitment that the other teams just aren't experiencing. And to, to, to feel that as a young player and the togetherness that it takes, because you know that's when it kind of clicks in. I can't do this alone. We've all got to do this together. And, and we're only, I hate to use the cliche, but we're only as strong as our weakest link at that point. And you start to lift each other up and, and take it more seriously and little mistakes that you would let slide. You, you can't anymore. And so that that kind of um, conscientiousness just like infiltrates the group and, you know, practices are different, interactions are different, and, uh, you know, that's what we're going through now. There would be fans who would say, you know, it's better to get back in a high draft pick, that sort of thing. I mean, you hear that uh, about various teams throughout the NBA. What, what, in your opinion, is the value of a Markel Fultz, Mo Bamba, making the playoffs and getting the experience of playoff basketball? Well, look, I, I understand the value of the kind of like strategic value of, you know, tanking, whatever you want to call it, you know. And, you know, I was telling you guys a story before we came on about, you know, when I was in Denver, um, you know, years and years ago, we, we, we inherited a kind of middling team that was wedged pretty tightly in the middle. And, you know, we made a trade that, that brought about cap flexibility and, and a, one of the league worst record. That was the year that LeBron was in the draft and Melo and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And we, we felt that, you know, we, we would probably land one of those players if we were able to appetite, stomach that sort of season. Um, that being said, the rules have changed since then, and it's a much more competitive venture. There are a lot of teams doing that now. We were kind of swimming upstream when we did it. And, um, you know, we took a team that had won uh, – 17 games that year and then we won 43 the next year the team hadn't made the playoffs in 10 years they made it the following 10 and then even when um Masai walked into the GM role he ended up um trading Mello and that brought him back a nice you know uh cache of players you know so that even the kind of like gift that keeps giving so to speak but all that being said times are different now competitive Trying to be bad is, uh, is, is exposing yourself to a lot of risk. You know, the, the, the ping pong balls are now one through four, um, and you're exposing yourself to several layers of, you know, competing with other teams, getting the right, basically uh, losing for an entire season to put yourself in a position to take a dice roll at the end of the season. And the odds of those dice rolling in your favor are increasingly against you. So all that being said, you weigh that against, to your question, David, sorry it takes so long to get there, you weigh that against the value of young guys growing up with all that we were just talking about, the, 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 the importance and the weight of what it takes to be successful in this league and make the playoffs and perform well in the playoffs and, and the togetherness that that fosters, you know, and it does, it does bring guys together. So... I don't think you can put a premium on how important it is 
for young players to grow up winning and playing meaningful games and practicing meaningful practices in the spring and then being on the biggest stage of all, which is the NBA playoffs, and, and, and how that kind of awakens you to a whole nother level of what this league is really about that a lot of the other young guys or even veteran guys don't get to experience. I, now, I can not answer for everybody or, or feel this way for everybody, but I think I do. I would much rather be the sixth seed, the seventh seed, the eighth seed, or the ninth seed fighting to get in rather than where we spent those seven years. I mean, that was, that was rough. I mean, that was a rough, rough time. Right. And so everybody was always like, oh, well, you don't want to get stuck in the middle in the NBA. That's the worst place to be. I argue that's not the worst place to be. The worst place to be is in the absolute mm. bottom right, right. for all that time. There's, sometimes you feel like there's just no way of getting mm. out of there. So, I mean, I would much rather be a team, you know, on the upswing or even if you're, you know, hey, you're in that sixth spot. You're, you're competitive. You're fighting. You have some hope as opposed to. Yeah, I think we all feel that I mean, way. You know, yeah. That was, yeah. that was a rough sure. A rough time. Yeah, it, it, well, it develops, um, you know, a, a, a culture that is is not positive, not conducive right. to success. I mean, it's just to me, it's just common sense. You know, you want guys to learn how to win, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to develop winners. You don't do that by losing year after year, right? <laughs> after year. And and after year. you know, <laughs> for seven years. Well, I know, I know that when I got here, you know, I, I was sensitive to that plight of of our fans, you know, because we 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 hadn't. I think it had been seven years. It was like the worst combined record for the six years, whatever. And like there is a certain element of timing and, and sensitivity to what the organization is going through and what we need to try to do now. Um, the real worst, the real worst would be what if you did go through that? You did have one of those worst records and all the misery and grief that comes with that. That's, those, are, those, are, those are not easy seasons for fans or anyone else. And then you didn't get a guy. And now you go into the following season. That, that's, where, that's where the risk associated. What, what residual effect does not winning that well, dice that was, roll have on an organization? I was going to kind of piggyback on that and say, like, well, not every draft is the 2003 draft where you have right. Wade and Bosch and Mello. And, you know, like, look at this Most year's aren't. draft, for example. <laughs> right. I mean, there's really, right? Would you agree that there's really no... It's our job to find value in the draft, so I'm not going to, well, you know, I, but, I, yeah, but, 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 but no, no, to like your that, point, no, no, but, but I will say that even, even, even the year that we did it, and we did it with the idea of, like, it's not going to be a, 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 an overhaul, it's going to be hopefully a knock on wood, a quick fix, mm-hmm. but like I said, you had very few teams doing it then. You had, you know, one or two competitors, really, so you knew if your goal was to be bad, you knew you could be, and also, you're right, like, we, we all saw ahead in that draft and knew that there were you know, potential Hall of Famers and stars in that draft. And so that was, it just, it just lined up. The timing was right. We just had the, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dante. Well, I was just going to say, we just had the the trade deadline a couple of weeks ago, all-star break and all that stuff. Just, just tell us a little bit about James Ennis and what you liked about him. And then in the safety of the nest, you can tell us every one of the deals you were contemplating. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody listens to this podcast. We can just just have an open. Dante's podcast. The other one, nobody listens to Dante's podcast. It'll be well That won't be found, by the way. If you label it that, it won't be found. We can just have an open, honest discussion. But no, but just how you live landed on him what you like about him and, and really that whole tr- deadline process you know the deadline is all about seeking out opportunity and ways to improve your team and um you know this 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 deadline was tricky for us i have to say because you know uh I, you know if you guys don't ask me i'm not going to talk about it and something that we don't talk about organizationally like we have enough players in our locker room that we believe can go and win games right now 
But when you pull back and, and want to talk about the trade deadline, you start writing your roster up on the board, you know, this year, next year. And you have to be um, clear eyed about the fact that, you know, one of the places we have holes now is um, a place that I anticipate as being strong next year, right. you know, at the four. So um, how do you address that? Do you, do you dedicate future assets for the next 30 games when you know that you're going to have, you know, Isaac Aminu and, and hopefully Okiki in the fold next year? And, and you know, that, that could be a, a, a place of strength for us. So it was a little tricky this year. You know, how do you, how do you really broach that? So what we really did is what we, what we always do. We, we talked to every team and we sought out opportunity to help. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I need to say too much about Ennis. I think you guys are seeing it. Mm, right. he's, 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 he's experienced. He's tough. He understands um, his role and he understands how he contributes to winning. So I think already um, he's not afraid of the moment. You know, uh, I think already he's, he's helped us come together, you know, um, and, and hopefully, you know, we see that uh, progress through the rest of the season. And Carter Williams gave the team a little bit of that last year. Mm -hmm. it, it, right. To me, it looks like Ennis could be this year's Michael Carter Williams. Is okay. That, is that yeah, good? I mean, like, I hadn't thought of that, but like, it's, a good, it's a good analogy. I mean, you know, it's funny how so much of it is just, it's just about, you know, fit and personality and character and, and, and um, having the experience to, you know, last night, you know, uh, just knowing like that, that when he got open, that that shot was going in. Yeah, you just knew it, you know, because he, he's, he's, he's practiced that 10,000 times. He, he's, he's lived that moment. And he knew we needed it, and that's not to say that that you know everyone's going to have ups and downs, but um, all of those attributes bring about uh, a togetherness in a team, you know, and and hopefully that's part of what we're seeing now. Players who, who numbers the numbers don't you know knock your socks off. I mean, you know, you look at a lot of fans will look at the numbers and say, well, it's just four points, five points, six points, whatever. But it's about the fit, right? I mean, it's about the it's about your culture and what that what you need, what that guy is able to deliver. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you more can truly work against you sometimes. You know, the old expression "less is more" in the NBA. It really is about who brings out the best in the other guys, and you know where are you kind of hanging your hat. How can you augment that? Um, how can you you know mask weaknesses and and reveal strengths? And you know experienced role players like James Ennis are good at that stuff and that stuff matters especially when you're in a position like ours where you've got to win on the margins you know those little things matter greatly and I think you know he's proven that over his career that that he can help in that area Jeff for for fans it's what's interesting that so the 24 hours leading up to the deadline right everybody's watching Twitter they want what's the latest Woj bomb that's coming and then you know they're right up until the deadline you know the the television networks are dedicating time they're talking about everything so the picture then is what is Jeff Weltman doing that time so I think fans maybe they think that you're Looking at the phone, you're staring at the phone, waiting for it to ring. I picture he has five phones. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. So I, I, see, but here's what see, like I've watched Jeff and everything, and I Jeff is a mover, right? Like I see him like pacing around, maybe maybe getting a, a workout. Pacer. Maybe he's getting a workout. Maybe That's he's right. on the exercise bike yeah, and he's right. wired up. What 
What is Jeff Weltman doing during those I'm probably, 24, 12, 8 hours? I'm, I'm probably on my phone asking one of my 14-year-old daughters <laughs> how to work Twitter so I can follow the Woj bombs more closely. Because <laughs> right. he knows before everybody. He knows. <laughs> Woj knows. <laughs> no, you know, it's so funny. You know, I, I, we, we try not to be surprised. And so what we do uh, is try to be very methodical about how we approach the draft and the trade deadline. And I think there's great value in really doing deep dives on whatever possibilities may intrigue you. So we would be a lot less likely to do a deal, even if it kind of seemed like a good deal. If the team just called up at 11 a.m. on on trade deadline day and said, would you guys consider this? It's probably going to be a no out of hand unless, you know, we're going to bring it back and beat it up a little bit like, hey, should. But by and large, um, the ones you, you, you start to lap around the league, you really do it all season. It never really goes away. But, you know, you start to lap around the league, you know, a couple of weeks before and try to figure out like, well, who's serious? Who's looking at doing something? What could where could there be a partnership? And those ones, as you kind of make second, third, fourth laps, you know, those go up on the board and we start to analyze those. And um, to me, there's more of a comfort level when you really get to try to think about all the intended and unintended consequences. So, you know, um, those things change daily. You know, it, I, think, I think one of the things that fans m- would be surprised at is, you know, how, how, a, how a player having a good game might change the, the other team's view of a trade, you know? I mean, like not all teams, but some. And, and so, um, you know, the, the temperature is constantly changing. The, the inflections on the other end of the phone are constantly changing. And it's just important that you kind of stay attached. And, 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 and even your own evaluations may be changing of how you view the same deal. So um, a lot, there's so much that goes into it. There's so much work and there's so much time spent. And we all know going in that the odds are greatly against anything actually being done because that's the nature of the business. Why am I the only one that pictured like 80s hardwired phones? Why am I the only one? Not cell phones, but the no, actual cords and all that. One red, like one red right in the middle that lights yeah. up. Yeah, you're right. Like when he picks it up. Phone. No, yeah. you're right. Well, Jeff, we just, let me ask him one more thing along yeah, those lines, because yeah. I'm curious. The Magic is seen as an organization that keeps things pretty tight-lipped. Not every organization has that reputation. Uh, the Markel Fultz deal last year, I mean, that just dropped out of, for I think pretty much everybody, it just dropped out of the sky. How do you do that? How, how do you get an organization, and I, I, assuming that this is, this is by design, you don't like information to get out there. I would think that most organizations would feel that way, but how do you pull that off? Well, I will say this. We, we definitely value that greatly, and I would, and I would say um, attribute that to, to uh, two things. One is that our staff um, is, is very team-oriented. There's, there's, there are no egos on our staff that need to kind of feel like they know everything. And then secondly is um, – Alex and ownership. So, so uh, there's no there's no place that I feel that I'm ever sharing information where um, the toothpaste could get out of the tube, you know. And we we talk about it a lot, how important it is to keep our, you know, information in house. But um, it's really the people that that you know that have to make that happen or not. But there's another side to every deal, and you can't control a lot of things about this. Well, but it to, seems like yeah. somehow you do. Well, to that end, um, 
I, I do think that there is a certain element of knowing who you're dealing with a little bit. And so there, there are certain conversations that you may have with another team that you may not have with another, um, or you may broach a conversation more delicately with one team than another. Um, sometimes stuff will come out and it'll be represented uh, maybe like with a kernel of truth, but it's represented in a, in a completely um, false light. And, you know, that's how you, you can, you figure out over time, like, you know, where stuff gets out. And sometimes I'll even ask someone like, hey, if this got to a level of seriousness, would you be able to keep it under your hat? Because a lot of times the guy you're talking to might be able to, but once, once it starts to move up or down the organization, then it becomes more difficult, you know? But it is something that we pay attention to, and, and it's never perfect. And I say that part of the reason to do that is, is to protect our players, you know? And, um, and I really think that that goes a long way. And I think that, you know, they know that we try our best you know, to, to handle our business professionally and have good relationships with, with their agents and, um, you know, do our, do our business the right way. Jeff, how do you, how do you, now sometimes there will be something that comes out that's just not true. Yeah. And in today's age, the players are all seeing really? it. Really? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it does happen. It does happen. One of those things get out there. How do you, how do you massage that, say that player X is, uh, a trade rumor has come out, but it's not true, or even if it is true, and that doesn't happen. How do you massage that player and calm him down after the trade deadline is over and player X is still with you? Yeah. You know, how do you how do you massage him and make him more comfortable and just hey, like, hey, listen, like you're our guy and this is not true and does that just go by your previous relationship with the player and building? Well, up that no, I I, I think like every every situation is different. You know, um, and and I don't. I think that our our players know that 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 um, you know we speak the truth, and so that doesn't mean that you can tell everyone everything all the time. But if there's a conversation that needs to take place, if something was reported in a, in a completely inaccurate way, or something got out, um, then for sure that that might precipitate a conversation with a player. I do think that like the greater um, uh, discipline is is more geared towards you really want to call that writer and say like why would you you know you're completely off base on this where did you come up with this whoever gave you that you know um is is misleading you and even to call out you know to our guys like that's not true you know that said you can't do that once and then not do it again so the only way that you can really do it is just to hope that the way that you conduct your business um, is, is over time appreciated by agents, by media, by players, and that they know you're conducting business in the best interest of the player and of the team, and, and that that's just not what you're about. You can't respond to everything, because if you respond to one and then you don't respond to the next, even though it may not be true, it can be taken as true. So, so you know, you either have to do everything or nothing, and you can't do everything. So uh, I think that, you know, hopefully over time, it's a it's a it's a business of repeat customers, agents, media, players, um, and hopefully over time, you know, a person's character and the way that they do their work is what speaks for them. All right. Well, last thing you mentioned your fourteen-year-old daughters. My daughters are six and four. <laughs> so what am I in for at fourteen? <laughs> are we into TikTok? What are we, what are we doing here at fourteen? What's that? 
Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's good. He knows. <laughs> they might even be on there. Who knows? I don't have an account. I got to check it out. All I can say about TikTok, it's just like it's just like with an NBA team. The clock is always ticking, Dante. <laughs> yes, it is. It's yes, always it is. ticking. But you know, it's 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 a great experience, man. Yeah. You know, it's a great experience. All right. Well, we appreciate the time as always. Good luck, rest of the way, and. We'll, we'll do it again here soon. Appreciate you being a part of yes. Dante's first, uh, <laughs> first official podcast. Uh, first official Dante yeah, official What a guest for, for my first podcast. This is nice. <laughs> yeah. We enjoyed it, didn't we, George? Yeah. Jeff? Let's see who the first yeah. one that he dismisses now you know, yeah. as he moves yeah. to just himself. So. See if you <laughs> invite me back. Does this mean that it's going to go from uh, free to a pay subscription now? <laughs> oh, I think probably. so. Yeah. Who's your friend that uh, he needs to talk to Dante? I'll get him in touch with That's who we need to talk to. You're exactly right, See if, see if you can make an introduction. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thanks so we'll much, guys. I enjoyed Together. it. Thank you.